Turn, please, this morning to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, 1 Corinthians 1. Don't you thank God for these people playing and singing? And I tell you, thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. They're faithful to practice and work. It's more work than you might think. Boy, I tell you what, anybody ever done a recording project in the studio? I'm telling you, that can be work. Good gracious. People don't realize it when you stick that, stick that little CD in the player and listen to it, how much work went into that. We're, ju- we're just finishing a new one we'll be letting you know about. And it's uh, something that was completely designed to minister to people like in the ICU are people that are bedfast or in the most serious physical problems. And the Lord spoke to me while we were doing it and said that about what he was going to use the tool to do, to raise people up for healings and miracles. I'm excited about it. Amen. So uh, we'll be letting you know. That's right away. I mean, they should be about done, right? Anybody know? A week or so. Okay, good. We'll let you know. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, are you there? What are y'all laughing about over there? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. Let's read this and then let's pray. Believe for the rest of the service this morning. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Boy, I like this first phrase, don't you? God is faithful. Can somebody say amen? amen. Can you testify? God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful by whom you're called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the call that is above all calls. The call to fellowship with the Lord. Sometimes people say, well, I feel like i got a call on my life. Every Christian has a call on their life. I said every Christian has a call to be of service to the Master. Now, not everybody uh, should necessarily stand behind a pulpit and preach. Not everybody should necessarily stand on the platform and sing, but everybody has a ministry. Amen. And everybody should put God first in their life and serve Him in service. There's something you can do. Somebody say, well, yeah, but I'm retired. Not from serving God. <laughs> Not till you go home to be with Him or the trumpet sounds. Right? There is no retiring from the service of the Lord. Everybody ought to be busy in the graces that they have helping somebody. Right? But you're fulfilling your call and your ministry is inseparable from your answering this call to fellowship with Him. Even last week we talked about this. We talked about vision. And if you can see it, you can have it. And how that Jesus said He just did what He saw the Father do. He said what He saw and heard the Father say. 
Well, how did he see him do these things in fellowship with him? Jesus' ministry was the outflow of his fellowship with the Father. I want to say that again. Jesus' ministry was the outflow of his fellowship with the Father. Your ministry is going to be the outflow of your fellowship with the Father. Sometimes I hear preachers talking about their personal life and then their ministry as though they were two completely different things. I don't understand that. Because you, you, to me, I, I can't separate them. You know? The things I have for ministry, I get through fellowshipping with God. Amen? Amen? And you can't just step in the church and flip on your preacher button and turn into somebody else and it mean anything. Right? And the things that I'm able to share are the things that are real to me that I got from Him. I only have, I can only give what I have. What the scriptures say, such as you have. That's what you can give. And I, I didn't get it from man, I got it from Him. Right? But what are you going to have to give to somebody else? What you got from Him. Right? You can get things from Him in the church service. But that's not the only time. You should be getting things from Him when you read your chapters every day. Getting things from Him when you pray. Getting things from Him when you ride down the road in your car. Getting things from Him when you're cleaning up the kitchen. Making the bed. Whatever. Can you fellowship with Him all the time? Is there a call? Are you called to fellowship with Him? Yes, you are. Can He be real to you? Just as real to you as any human person that you've ever known. And even more so. Can he be? If he's not, you, you need to seek him. Amen. And let him be real to you. How many understand that when you wake up in the morning, uh, before you even get your eyes open good, you can be aware that he's there. He's in you. He's around you. And prayer is not just you talking for a long time. Prayer is listening. Amen? Amen. He really has more to say than you do. So prayer needs to be a lot of listening. And you need to, we need to develop in being able to rest in Him and wait on Him, just being quiet. You know, that seems to be one of the most difficult things for people in this busy, busy society. Just being quiet. I know uh, I used to teach uh, in a healing school. And it was interesting. One week I had several uh, leaders of businesses. It's unusual. I must have had seven or eight in the, in the small group. And uh, you could tell these guys are movers and shakers. I mean, they got on their nice suits and they got their uh, uh, palm tops and they got, you know, all their stuff and and you can tell they have carefully scheduled in this time. And as soon as I stepped in, I could tell they're looking at me like, come on, let's get with the program. <laughs> well, they're there to be healed. They're there because one of them had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. One of them had uh, diabetes. One of them had lung problems. One of them had liver problems. But they, they want, okay, they got their pad out. They got their Bible. Uh, they got their Mont Blanc pen. And they're ready. Come on. Let's get it. And the way the Lord led me, I, I, I stepped up to the podium 
and, and just checking my heart. And I said, okay, everybody, this is what we're going to do today. Close your Bible. Put your pen away. Put your pad up. We're just going to wait on the Lord for two hours. We're going to praise the Lord a few minutes, and then we're going to be quiet and wait on the Lord. Didn't the Bible say, be still and know that I am God? One of the, one of the guys told me uh, a few days later, he said, man, that's one of the hardest things I ever did in my life. Get still. Because, see, we live in such a busy, busy, busy world, and people think if you're doing anything, then you got two phones to your ears and the fax machine's going, and you're, you're scanning emails with one eye. <laughs> right, and you're looking at something else with the other. But that can be a big detriment to your spirituality. All this mental activity and all this physical activity is not spiritual activity. And, and it's something that can be challenging to you is to get away and get quiet. Get still. I don't mean you're screaming and praying at the top of the lungs. I don't mean you're listening to a tape. You're not doing anything. Except got your mind on Him and you're quiet. Begin to practice this. And then that will help you uh, the rest of the time when you are having to do other things. You'll be more aware of God than normally. Because getting quiet, exercising yourself in that will cause you to be more sensitive to the Spirit. Cause you to be more aware of Him. Everybody said out loud, fellowshipping. With Him. Now go over to the 10th chapter, if you would, of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 10. You and I are in covenant with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In our Western society and modern generation, that doesn't mean what it should to people when you say covenant. Covenant is the most powerful thing. One of the uh, best examples I know of in earthly things that can help show you what covenant is or what it should be is marriage. Marriage is supposed to be a covenant. We live in a society where people do, don't honor covenants. And that is a terrible thing. A lot of people are honorless and unfaithful and not loyal. I mean, there was a time that one man looked in the eye of another man and shook hands, and that was it. Right? Now you can have two stacks of paper and 12 lawyers on both sides, and it doesn't mean anything. It's just, what can I, what can I get out of? But you and I as Christians don't have to participate in this ungodliness. Right? Our word can still be our bond. Like God's word is His bond. Amen? See to it. You, do you understand? You can't be a person of faith if you're not a person of your word. If your word doesn't have integrity, you cannot be a person of faith. Let me explain. Anybody know Mark eleven twenty three? Anybody heard that before? Jesus said, If you will say... 
to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that God says will come to pass, you'll have... Y'all didn't stop me. What did the Scripture say? Do you remember? If you'll say to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things that you say will come to pass, you'll have what you say. What, what must I believe? I must believe what I say. Yes, you must believe what God said, but you must also believe what you say. Well, what if you're a liar about half the time? Then your own heart knows that your word's not a word of integrity. You're not going to have confidence in your own words. You can't be a person of faith. To be a person of faith. You know, I have uh, habits or, or dealing with my flesh or, or things from the past. From when I first got saved, when I first started getting serious about walking with God, things that I needed to make a change in my life that... Uh, seemed a challenge to me or areas that I kept giving in to or something, the way I've got through that was by the grace of God and by my words. I'd get to a place in my life where I'd realize I need to change this. But my flesh was acting weak about it. And I wouldn't just say it, but I'd look at it, I'd think about it and pray about it, and eventually I would say, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And when, sometimes I'd write it down and put it in my pocketbook. Well, now I'm bound by my word. And I'm either a liar or, or my word has integrity. Right? If your, word, if your word means something to you now, you have to do it. Even if you feel different about it later. The scripture says in the Psalms, one of the characteristics of a person of integrity is he that swears to his own hurt and changes not. This will cause people to respect our Christianity above many other things. If we say we're going to be there, if we're able to walk and motivate, we're there. Right? If we say we're going to do it, if we're breathing, we're there. We'll do it. Right? Everybody said out loud, my word is a word of integrity. I am not a liar. Amen. Even if you've made a lot of mistakes in the past, you can set up a standard in your heart today, and God will help you. And from this, time, this day forward, you can be a person of integrity because your word is a word of integrity. Can you say amen? amen. Well, uh, we said that covenant is exemplified through marriage. Marriage is supposed to be a covenant. And how many know that... Uh, you know, when you make a commitment to somebody, you can feel different about it later. Whether it's a covenant of marriage or whether it's a business covenant or whatever it is, you may get into it. It might be a month, might be six months, might be six years and have some different feelings than when you got into the covenant or the contract. But what matters now? Huh? That you do what you said you were going to do. No matter what you feel like. Right? Like debt. Sometimes people, you know, people talk about, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to pay that anymore. Did you sign a piece of paper saying you would pay that? Then the only thing that matters now is that you do what you said you were going to do. 
Yeah, but so and so. Now, that doesn't matter. You said you would do this. Right? Now do it. And if you missed it by saying you would do it, then uh, think twice next time before you sign. Pray more about it before you jump into something. But when you've said you're going to do something, you do it. Can you say amen? amen. But we got a lot of people today that, you know, uh, when the thrill is gone, they jump out of covenant. And now they're on their 12th marriage. And that will only last until the feelings change. And they jump in and out of contracts and, and they buy something and they get tired of paying for it. They just let it go back and don't try to pay. You know, there's a lot of folk, they, uh, they borrow money and never intend to pay it back. Never intended to. The scripture says that's wicked. The psalmist says a man who borrows and doesn't pay back, doesn't, doesn't even try to pay, that's wicked. But the righteous man will do what he said he would do. Well, not too much shouting and running this morning, but it's true, right? Tell me one more time. Say it out loud. I am a person of integrity, like my God. I'm His child. His Word is good. He always does what He says He will do. My Word is good. I do what I said I would do. Amen. Amen. God will honor that. He'll bless you. Now, in a covenant, in a relationship, the greatest joy of relationship is fellowship. We say it again. The greatest joy of relationship is fellowship. It's not just a matter of two people being married. Legally, you could be married... And hadn't talked to each other in, in six months. Huh? You're related. Legally. But the fellowship is not there. What makes the relationship worthwhile? The fellowship. The getting along. In uh, 1 Corinthians 10, read this. And you'll see fellowship described. We're going to receive communion this morning. And do you understand communion, the very word communion, means fellowship. We're not supposed to just be going through the motions. We're supposed to be fellowshipping with Him and with what these elements represent. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 14. 10, 14. He says, Dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Run from it. Is idolatry a problem today? Is it? Yeah. You don't have to have a golden calf in your living room to be an idolater. Right? A lot of people idolize their their business and their career over God. A lot of people idolize money and things over God. A lot of people idolize their children over God. You understand, if you miss God because of your child, that child's an idol to you. There are people who miss God because of a spouse. The first commandment, do anybody know what it is? Anybody know the first commandment? Hmm? Seems to be a little hesitancy on that. Go back to the Exodus. Let's look at it, make sure 
we know. We might need to study and have a pop test on pop quiz on some of these things. Exodus and the twentieth chapter. Are you there? Exodus twenty. Verse 1, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, which has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Number 1, what? You shall have no other gods before me. Everybody said out loud. You shall have no other gods before me. Say it one more time. You shall have... No other gods before me. That's the first thing he says. And, and there's a reason why that's first. Because there are all kind of things that try to set up a throne in your life. People can be their own God. Put what they want above everything else, including what God wants. You know, anything that you place above God in your life, you're in danger of losing. I said anything or anybody that is more important to you than the Lord that you put ahead of Him, you're in danger of losing. You don't want to do that. He's got to be first. Hold your place there and go on over to the 34th chapter. Of Exodus. I should have told you to hold your place in Corinthians. Exodus 34. Something we need to know about the nature and character of God. Exodus 34 and verse 12. 34:12 of Exodus. He said, Take heed to yourself. Lest you make a a covenant, a what? Covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you go, lest it be for a snare in the midst of you. But you shall destroy their altars, break their images, cut down their groves. For you shall worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is what? Jealous is a... Jealous God. Now keep that in mind and go to 1 Corinthians 10, please. This is the New Testament counterpart of what we just got through reading. Is God willing to share you with other gods? No. Now again, what is the... the, uh, one of, one of the perfect types of our covenant with Him, marriage. Any married people in here? Are you willing to share your spouse with somebody else? No. And you shouldn't be. Right? There's some things that just you should be absolutely intolerant of. Right? Well, God's that way. He's our husband. Amen? And you want to make him mad, you want to provoke him to jealousy, then you start fooling around with other gods. In 1 Corinthians 10 
and verse 14. He said, My dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Run from it. I speak as to wise men, judge you what I say. The cup of blessing. Now he's talking about communion, just the Lord's Supper, what we're going to observe here in just, just a minute, a few minutes, several minutes. Today sometime. The, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the what? Communion, or that word means fellowship of the blood of Christ. And the bread which we break, is it not the communion or the fellowship of the body? Of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one body, and we are all partakers of that one bread. Here's a great truth. You might want to even write it down. You partake of what you fellowship with. Whatever you fellowship with long enough, you partake of it. It'll begin to get in you and begin to be a part of you. That's why the scripture says evil communications corrupt good manners. What does that mean? It's what your mama told you. Don't run with that bunch. It'll rub off on you. The scripture says, Proverbs, he that walks with wise men, what will happen to him? He'll be wise himself. Why? You fellowship with them. You'll start to partake of what they have. I'm so thankful the Lord put me with certain people over the years. Amen? Had the privilege of fellowshipping with, with Dr. Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, a lot of times daily, for 20 years. And no doubt that some of the faith that's, that's in him got in me. Amen? And some of the vision. And some of the things about being led of the Spirit and some, you know, any number of things. I'm so glad the Lord's let me fellowship with people like Brother Copeland. I mean, he, his vision for the world and, and his vision for prosperity, no doubt, has gotten in me. You hang around people, you talk about it, think about it, pray about it, shout about it, preach about it. It's going to get in you. I said, it's going to get in you. And if you don't want what we have in us, you better quit coming. Because if you keep hanging around, amen, Amen. next thing you know, you'll slip in. Next thing you'll know, you'll be talking in tongues and shouting about chunks of money coming in. And it'll be happening too. Had a fellow one time try to accost me in healing school and he said, well, now he said, we don't preach all that healing stuff in our church. We don't, you know, we don't have that. We don't do that. Well, he said, I hadn't seen any healings. I don't believe. I said, well, isn't that interesting? I said, y'all don't preach it, and y'all don't have it. I said, we preach it, and I pointed to three big old notebooks sitting right there. It was full of testimonies that we just received the last few months. I said, and we have it. Bible didn't say these signs follow them that doubt. These signs follow them that believe. Somebody say, I believe. believe. 
I believe in healing. I believe in miracles. I believe in prosperity. I believe in God protecting you. Amen. He does it now. He does it today. He does it for us. I'm happy about it. Are you? Somebody else say, I believe it. Now listen, whatever you fellowship with, you become a partaker of. What if you watch hours and hours of pornography? Huh? Whoever uh, wrote the scripts for that was inspired by something. Right? For any movie, any book, any magazine article. Something inspired them to write that. Right? Spiritual influences. And if you watch it and you open your mind to it and you let it take you through all the places that the movie takes you or all the places the book takes you, then you are yielding to whatever spirit inspired it. You're fellowshipping with whatever spirit or spirits influenced that and inspired it. Right? Well, if we fellowship with wrong spirits, is that okay with the Lord? Is it unfaithfulness? It is. We need to see it like that. That's exactly what this passage says. Read it. This cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. We are all partakers of that one bread. Why? Because we're communing with it, we're fellowshipping with it, and we partake of it. Behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Everything in this life is influenced by good or evil. Right? Good things are influenced by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. By His holy angels. Evil things, bad things are influenced by the devil and demon and evil spirits. You and I as Christians should not be afraid of the devil. At all. I said at all. Actually, if you know who's in you, you'll realize he's afraid of you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But just because you got saved doesn't mean you lost your will. You can yield to the Holy Spirit this morning and yield to the devil this afternoon. You ought not to. I ought not to. But as human beings, we can because you have a free will. Whatever influences come to you, you can give in to, you can yield to. But 
If we yield to wrong spirits, it's unfaithfulness. And it provokes the Lord to jealousy and even to anger in situations. Now, when, when you don't know any better, that's one thing. But especially the more you know, the more serious it becomes. Actually, you, do you don't understand what sin is? People have such a religious, technical idea of what sin is. We need to get a broader understanding. Let me read you some, de- some scriptural definitions of sin, and then you begin to see a, a recurring theme and pattern. The scripture says in James uh, 4.17, Him that knows to do good and does it not, to him that's sin. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 4, Sin is transgression of the law. And all unrighteousness is sin. In other words, the Bible says, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. Well, if you know that and you steal and kill, that's obviously sin. You're violating that. But it's not just the commandments. Anything that you know is right and you violate it, you have violated light. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. And see, only the Lord knows how much light you really have, right? Other people might not know that you're violating light that you have. But when you violate light that you have, it it affects your fellowship. Let's say you and I were friends. Well, if you purposely did something that you knew better to do that hurt me or bothered me, then you sinned against me. And that would hurt our fellowship. Or if I did it to you. But if you did something ignorantly, you didn't have light, you didn't know. That's a different thing, isn't it? Same way it is with the Lord. But now listen to Romans 14, 23. You don't have to turn there. But he said, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now, you and I are related to to God as our Father by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been born again. How many know that you've been born again? Do you know it? Only way to get into the family of God is to be born into the family of God. Right? Joining a church doesn't put you in the family. Shaking a preacher's hand doesn't put you in the family. Even being baptized in water in and of itself alone does not put you in the family. You've got to be born into the family. When you're born again, you know you've been born again. If you're not sure about that, we can fix that this morning before you leave. But once you are, you're related to Him by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how many understand that's just the beginning? Now you need to get to know Him. He already knows you inside and out. But we need to get to know Him. And the joy of our life is going to be full or not according to how fully we walk in fellowship with Him. Right? And if we get out of fellowship with Him a little bit or a lot, whose fault is it? Did He sin against us? Never. We sinned against Him. Go to 1 John, please. This is a big subject we're getting into this morning, but it's vital. Everybody say fellowship. 1 John, 
the joy of relationship is full fellowship. There's nothing like full fellowship with the Father. You show me somebody that's walking close to God and in full fellowship with Him, I'll show you somebody who is overflowing with joy. Every time. I said every time. Every time. If, if somebody's depressed or about half depressed, vexed, don't have joy, don't have peace, they're not walking with God like they need to be. You or me, whoever it is. Because he, you know, he talked about that, about the fullness of joy that comes from pleasing Him and obeying Him and keeping His commandments, walking with Him. Full fellowship will result in full joy. Now look in 1 John. 1 John 1. 1 John 1, 1. That which from the beginning, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon, our hands have handled, of the word of life. The life was manifested. We've seen it. And bear witness and show to you that eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested unto us. Is he talking about Jesus? That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. Why? That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we to you. Why? That your joy may be full. Everybody said out loud. Full fellowship, full fellowship. with the Father, with the Father. And, the Lord Jesus. and the Lord Jesus equals full joy. There is no car that will give you full joy. There's no house that will give you full joy. You can't even enjoy a new car unless you're in full fellowship with the Father. Huh? You can't enjoy a new car riding around knowing you missed God, getting it? Can you? You can't enjoy a new house knowing you missed God? Not even tithing, not trying to put Him first, spending every dime you, you got on the house, on yourself. You, you can't even enjoy it like you're supposed to. Oh, but when you're fully obeying God and He adds it to you, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and He adds no sorrow with it. Then you can really enjoy a car. Amen. Got the Holy Ghost in the front seat with you. You can really enjoy a house. Got the peace of God in every room. Got His favor resting on you. Because you know you're in His perfect will. You know He's pleased with you. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Amen. Amen. Now you can enjoy a boat. Now you can enjoy that jewelry. Whatever it is. When you know you're right with Him. He goes on to say. These things are right to you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we've heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we're lying and not doing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. How do you get in fellowship with Him and stay in fellowship with Him? Walk in the light. What does that mean? Do what you know to do. If you know it's wrong, don't do it. If you know you should do it, do it. Right? Walk in the light. Everybody say, walk in the light. Every step out of of obedience, every step out of faith is a step into darkness. And that's why you got a lot of Christians that are confused and depressed and suicidal. Why? They got out of fellowship with God. They didn't do what He told them to do. They did what they knew they shouldn't do. And they just persist in it. And the further you go, you get into darkness. It gets darker and darker. Oh, but if you'll obey Him. If you'll obey Him and please Him and believe in Him and walk with Him, the path of the righteous is like that shining light. Amen? It gets brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day's noontime sun. Oh, it's good to be in the light. It's good to know you're in His will. Nothing, no physical, earthly pleasure, nothing is worth forfeiting your fellowship with the Father. Nothing is worth it. No few minutes of of physical pleasure is worth forfeiting that fellowship. Oh, but there's good news. Even if you have messed up, even if you got out of fellowship, even if you disobeyed Him, even if you got into darkness and walked in disobedience and walked in doubt and fear and unbelief, are there other verses that come after this verse? Is there a ninth verse down here in 1 John 1? Oh, do you have it marked? Have you ever had to use it? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, if we'll acknowledge that we missed Him, we didn't obey Him, we got out of fellowship, if we'll admit it and acknowledge it, He is, we've heard that somewhere before, He is faithful, glory to God, He is faithful, and just and righteous to forgive us of our sins. And that's not all. And to what? Cleanse. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Don't break your fellowship. Don't mess up your joy. And if any man do sin, we have an advocate. We got a lawyer. We got a representative in the throne room of God. Amen. With the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Thanks be unto God. You know, before you got saved, especially if you were an adult, even if you're just a teenager before you got saved, but especially if you were a teenager and into some adult years before you got saved. There are some wrong spirits you used to hang around with. Hmm? You used to party with them. Right? Lust, deception, all kind of unfaithfulness, greed, and list goes on. Wrong spirits. 
But uh, go to 2 Corinthians. Let me read this before I say the rest of this. But something happened to you. You changed company. Is that right? 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. I'm, I'm closing, I think. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he said, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me, for I am what? Jealous over you with a what? See, the God's character was coming through the Apostle Paul. Is God a jealous God? Godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste, that means clean and pure, virgin to Christ, the anointed one. But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. We need to keep it simple. Keep it, people talk about, well, there's a, that's a gray area. No, it's not a gray area. If you're not sure about it, you can't do it. Huh? No such thing as gray areas. Whatever's not of faith is sin. If you can't do it, confident that it's okay in God's eyes, confident that it's approved of Him, then you can't do it in righteousness. Like I said, if you were an adult for any length of time, even a teenager, there were wrong spirits that you used to hang with. But you got saved. You've been betrothed to the Holy One. He's your husband. Amen? Are we the bride of Christ? He's our husband. Does he expect us to be faithful to him? Yeah. But you know, you can be saved sometimes five years, ten years, twenty years. And in here Friday night, some of these devils will roll up in your driveway and blow the horn. Hey, man, remember us? Remember how we used to party? Oh, man, we used to get down. You've been missing out on some fun. Come on, you need to party with us, man. The party's going on. Come on, Saturday night. How long been since you got drunk? Oh, you're missing out. How been long? How long's been since you got high? Oh, boy, there's some women out there. Whoo! Come on, you need to come party with us. What are they trying to do? Tempt you to be unfaithful, right? Because it wouldn't just be the going out to the places. It's not just the, the, the wrong, the geographic wrong place. It's not just being with the wrong people. If you do those things and you really get involved, you are fellowshipping with the same spirits. They're fellowshipping with, you're fellowshipping with demons. Doesn't necessarily mean a demon is in you. It just means you're yielding to them. But it's unfaithfulness. Is that okay with God? Guys, how about it be okay if your wife went out on a Saturday night with somebody else? Ladies, if your husband went out with another woman on a Saturday, would that be okay with you? You go, well, they're just human. And you know. <laughs> well, then is it okay with the, with, with the Lord? If we yield to other spirits, do you understand? That's in the scripture, it is called adultery. Isn't it? He calls idolaters adulterers. How many purpose in your heart you're going to be faithful to your God? 
recognize you got the Holy Spirit in you. And He'll cause you to know when you start to watch something or hear something or be around something and you realize this is not clean, this is not good, this is not right. If I stay and get involved in this, I have to fellowship with these wrong spirits that these people are fellow. I can't do that, so you leave. You turn it off. It's not a matter of you trying to be holier than thou. It's a matter of you being faithful to your husband. Amen? Oh, but aren't you glad we can come in here and fellowship with the Holy Spirit? We can be intimate with Him. We can open up our heart. Amen. Lay our soul bare. And He can fill us. Glory to God. Fill us with His Spirit. Fill us with His glory. Fill us with His power. And at the communion table. It's not just you and I sitting down here together observing communion. He is here. I said He is here. The Lord is here at His table. His Spirit is here. His holy angels are here. And today, while you and I receive of the elements, it's not just some juice. It's not just a piece of bread only. But we are fellowshipping with the blood that was shed. And there's life in that blood. There's cleansing for sin. Not just forgiveness, but cleansing so that there's no more stain of it. No more condemnation of it. And what happens? Then fellowship is restored. No matter how far off you got, no matter how bad you messed up, fellowship is restored so that again you can look up and know everything's right between me and Him. Can you say amen?